uh, just, um, you know, how God is continuing to use uh, this family, and so we appreciate that. Um, but um, about a year and a half ago or so, when this crazy COVID thing all came out, uh, your pastor, uh, Brother Jacobs and Brother Rice here, uh, they uh, both um, allowed us to present our ministry via, um, you know, internet. And so we, we, we had never done that before, so I spent a couple days in a room recording my presentation and you were the guinea pig. So, uh, but what a blessing that was when meetings were being canceled. Uh, we were blessed to be about 90% uh, of our support at that time. Uh, but can you imagine missionaries just starting out, you know, uh, and the COVID thing hits um, and, and it was just very difficult to get meetings. So thank you, church family, for that. Thank you for the uh, privilege of doing that. This is cutting out. I don't know if it's me or I do not have a cell phone on me. Um, could be the steel plate in my head. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, but uh, if you want, I, if you want to just use this, um, I, I'm not a roamer, so uh, you can do that as well. But, um, but also, and I hadn't talked to you about this, uh, Pastor Rice, but um, I was in a church uh, right around the time that you must have sent a letter out that you no, no longer needed support. I, I don't know when that was, or, or I, I don't remember. But um, I presented in a church on a Sunday evening, and the pastor got up afterwards and he said, um, we are no longer supporting the Rices uh, because they're coming out the field, they're doing something else. And so I, I vote we take on the Fennels uh, to replace them. And so thank you. Uh, <laughs> so um, I, I wanted to share that story. And then uh, Pastor Jacobs, it's great to see you again. I want you to know something about Pastor Jacobs. Um, when I pastored in Mount Vernon, he would just, and this happened about a half a dozen times, uh, he would just call me out of the blue uh, not wanting anything other than to ask this question. Hey, just wanting to know how you're doing. And that was a blessing to me. So thank you for that. Thank you for your friendship through the years as well. And uh, it's a joy to be here uh, tonight. My wife, Amy, is over here with uh, Cooper. Cooper is one of our five boys. Uh, we have three boys down at Pensacola, Florida. And then Gabriel and Cooper travel with us now wherever we go. Uh, we have two boys on staff down there. And then we have a junior in college. And so uh, we're blessed to have Cooper and, um, and Gabe travel with us. Um, Amy grew up, uh, she's a Buckeye, she grew up in Mansfield, Ohio. And so uh, I was on staff there for about six years, Mansfield Baptist Temple. And so let me just give you a brief testimony, and uh, I'll try to keep it short. But um, I pastored 15 years in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Before that, Amy and I met at Pensacola Christian College. Uh, after we graduated, we were married, and then we were on staff there for a few years. And then the Lord brought us to, as I said a moment ago, Mansfield Baptist Temple, where I was the children's pastor, some would say the childish pastor. And we did that six years and loved that ministry. And then the Lord brought us to our first and only pastorate, Mount Vernon Baptist Temple, Mount Vernon, Ohio. How many of you have been through Mount Vernon? All right, many of you. And you didn't even stop to say hi. Shame on you. And, um, and so we were there 15 years. And, and get this, this is what happened. Uh, in the 15 years that I was there, I went on a missions trip, and one missions trip turned into six missions trips. Uh, I think the church was trying to get rid of me. And, um, and so uh, four of those were with the ministry we now serve with called Worldview Ministries. And I was absolutely unaware of some statistics that really have just changed our life. And that one of those um, is this, that more than half of the languages of the world do not have a Bible. Where would you be uh, today without the Bible in the English language? 
Um, where would our country be today without the Bible? I know you know this. Our country is getting more and more wicked every day. And we were founded on the Bible. There's a whole lot of people out there that don't want us to know that uh, and are trying to keep that from, from everyone. But it's true. We were founded on the Bible. We were founded on the Word of God. We were founded on biblical principles. And look where we are today, right? So um, here's the point. There's roughly 7,000 languages in the world today. I didn't know that as a pastor, uh, to my shame. But of those 7,000 languages, almost 4,000 of them do not have one verse of Scripture in their language. And that broke my heart. That burdened my heart. And God used that to call uh, us from pastor uh, to missionary to serve with an independent Baptist Scripture translation ministry called Worldview Ministries. Aren't you thankful? I know that you are for your King James Bible. Um, we believe that every people group in the world ought to receive the Word of God the same way that we received our Bible. And so we uh, translate from the Hebrew Masoretic, the Greek text, this Receptus. We translate with a word-for-word -word equivalency, uh, not a, a, an idea for an idea or a paraphrase. Uh, we believe it's the translator's job uh, to tell people what God said. And that's it. And so um, we have been blessed with nine Bible translation projects. We have projects in India, uh, Uganda, China, Tibet, Myanmar, a brand new project in the country of Iran. Uh, we're very excited about. We have uh, information on our table uh, that highlights all of those projects. And then as many of you know, if you saw our presentation a year or so ago, uh, one of our projects is complete. And uh, this is a New Testament uh, for a people group in Uganda. Uganda is a very small country, but over 40 languages are spoken in that very small country of Uganda. And one of the languages is called the Runyon Kore language. And this New Testament uh, is for the Runyon Kore people. It took 11 years, 200 man hours a week. It costs from start to finish about $250,000. And it represents a people group of over five million. There are over 5 million Runyon Corey speaking people. And uh, if you'd like to look at this after the service, feel free to come up. It'll be on the table there in the back. Um, but we just uh, praise the Lord to serve with Worldview Ministries. We're at like 99.5% of our support. We're the, 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 we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, um, and so we're very thankful for that. I will say this, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in ministry is resign from Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. That was just one of the, the, the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. The main reason is we just love our church family. And, uh, you know, to, um, uh, to say goodbye to them uh, as, uh, you know, a pastor, that was a very difficult thing. For 15 years, I had the joy of watching my church family love on my family. And uh, that was just a blessing. And so we love our church family very much. But it's what God had for us. And we, we love our ministry. We love what God's doing through Worldview. And if you have any questions, we'd love to answer those to the best of our ability. And so again, uh, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to be here. And then church family, thank you for your warm welcome. Thank you for your kindness and welcoming us here. We feel very uh, much at home and appreciate your friendly spirit. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter number 1. And uh, anytime a missionary says turn to Acts 1, you know what he's going to talk about, right? You know what verse he's going to look at. That's right, verse number 1. <laughs> you thought I was going to say verse 8, didn't you? Uh, verse number 1. We'll, we'll probably get to verse number 8, but um, I want us to begin uh, by, by reading verse 1, and then we'll go all the way down uh, to verse uh, number 8 here. But uh, look with me 
at Acts 1, and let's do this. Let's, um, let's just read verse 1 and then skip down to verse 4. Um, verse number 1 says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Very quickly, um, you know this, but let's be reminded of this truth. If the book of Luke was the record of all that Jesus began to do, then the book of Acts, it makes sense, is a record of all that Jesus continued to do through the lives of his followers called disciples, called uh, uh, Christians. Uh, And so uh, that's what um, Acts is all about. Um, I, I took a Bible class and, and uh, the professor said the book of Acts could be called the acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the apostles as a result of the risen Savior. Amen. That's why they acted because we serve a risen Savior every day of the year. Now look at verse number four. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? That's a very important question. Look at verse 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. For just a few minutes this evening, let's look at this truth from this text. Divine directive, daily distraction. Divine directive, daily distraction. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together, shall we? Father, We love you. Thank you for the privilege of being in your house tonight. We thank you for the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, We thank you for the bright light that is here at this place, not only in this community, but around the world as Anchor Baptist Church has a heart for missions. Father, we thank you for the power of your word and the power of your spirit. And Father, we pray that you would use the power of your word and the power of your spirit tonight. Uh, Father, to do something spiritual in our midst. Father, in our hearts, in our lives, in our marriages and families. Father, in our church family, in our circle of influence, as you've called us uh, without question to be salt and light in this wicked, dark world. Uh, Father, we pray uh, that you would just uh, bless this time of Bible study tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The title, again, is Divine Directive, Daily Distraction. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and I know the answer already, but have you ever been distracted? Some of us have more of a problem with that than others. Some of you maybe have already been distracted already in the five minutes we've started, but um, we've all been distracted. We know what that's like. I have numerous stories, many stories that I could tell you. I'll just share one quick story Uh, for time's sake, but I remember when I was in high school growing up in New Hampshire, I was on my way to basketball practice, and I stopped at a little convenience store to get some Gatorade. I got got some drink for my my basketball practice there, and so um, I went in, purchased the drink. I came out. I was um, taking a sip. I get into my car, and it immediately hits me. I said this to myself, someone has been smoking in my car, only to realize that I was not in my car. I was not in my vehicle. Uh, Listen, 
If you've done that, I guarantee you're not going to admit it, and I just admitted it to you. Um, but we all know what it's like to be uh, distracted. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about being distracted. Um, Jesus talked about seeking first the kingdom of God. Um, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? But lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are, where? Above. Um, what's uh, implied there is that the things that are below can distract us. Uh, set your affections on things above, not things that are on the earth. So the Bible has a lot to say about being distracted. And we want to look tonight at some men in our text who got distracted. And so um, our outline is, is actually our title as well. And so we want to very quickly look at the divine directive and then spend a little bit more time on the daily distraction. Okay, for, first of all, the divine directive, verse number eight. We know it as the Great Commission, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Um, five different times, five different locations, the Great Commission was given by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When something is repeated uh, in the Bible, it ought to get special attention. How much more when something is repeated five times by the Lord Jesus Christ? Nowhere in the Bible is the Great Commission called the Great Commission, but without a doubt, the Great Commission is the greatest mission, the greatest commission that's ever been given. If you think about it, the Great Commission affects the Great Commandments. What are the great commandments? To love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. To love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, you say, well, how does the great commission affect the great commandments? Well, if your neighbor's not saved, they're not loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And if you never witness to your neighbor, you certainly can't say that you love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission affects the great commandments. Uh, the great commission affects the greatest communication. What's the greatest communication? According to 1 Corinthians 15, it is the death burial and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And yea, verily, it is the greatest news that anyone could ever hear. If you're saved, you know that to be true. The Great Commission affects the greatest, uh, the Great Commandments. It affects the greatest communication. By the way, the Great Commission affects the greatest condemnation. What's the greatest condemnation? To hear these words, depart from me, I never knew you. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Great Commission affects the greatest condemnation. And again, if you're here tonight and you're saved, and I hope and pray and trust that you are, the Great Commission, number four, affects the greatest change that any person can ever experience. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all God's people said, amen to that. And so the Great Commission is without a doubt the greatest commission that has ever been given. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the greatest cause. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. Jesus, who said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Jesus, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We must be saved through Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is the greatest commission that's ever been given. And because of that, the Great Commission, or rather fulfilling or obeying the Great 
Commission, our divine directive, is our first job and our highest responsibility. Think about that. I think that needs to be said again. I think that we as believers, especially in the United States of America, we need to be reminded of this truth that obeying the Great Commission is our first job and our highest responsibility. You say, Brother Bill, wait a second. Um, my first job and highest responsibility is to bring glory to God. And you would be correct. But what does it mean, uh, church family, tonight to glorify God? We could preach for a year of Sundays on that, but in a nutshell, uh, and not to oversimplify it, but to glorify God is to reflect and to reveal the moral attributes of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Why? Are you ready? Here it is. That they may see our good works and in turn glorify our Father in heaven. Amen? And so we need to understand the truth of that. In short, uh, you and I, as believers, are responsible for the world. Look at Acts 1 and verse 8. I just want to point out two words in Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Here it is. Both in Jerusalem. And here's the second word and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Please note, it does not say either or. It says both and. What's the point? What's the significance of that? Here's the significance. You and I are responsible for the uttermost, just as we are responsible for our Jerusalem. It's not a choice. We don't get to choose one or the other. We are all responsible. That's why your church has a missions program. Because if God has not called you to go, God has called you to give so that others can go on your behalf. It's a great system. God hasn't called me to go to South America or Africa or Asia, but God has called some to go and listen, we will give, we will hold the ropes so that you can go on our behalf. And good news, church family, you receive credit. When whatever spiritually is done uh, through the missionaries that you support. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's a wonderful, wonderful system. And so um, are we taking the divine directive seriously? Uh, think about that for just a moment. I um, have devised a series of questions to ask or to uh, help us discern where we stand with the Great Commission. And uh, I'm not going to give all of them, but I'll, I'll give three very convicting questions, all right? And, and they're convicting to me. I, I don't want to stand before you as one who has arrived in the area of the Great Commission. I, I'm still working on these things as well as all of us are. But number one, when's the last time we gave the gospel. Now listen, um, I'm not saying when's the last time we handed out a gospel track. I, ho I hope we do that. I'm not asking when's the last time we invited someone to church. I hope we do that. Um, I, I, I'm a little bit biased. I was a pastor 15 years. I think every member of a Bible-believing church ought to be fanatical about inviting folks to their church. 
What I mean by that is you go to the store and you, you, you give some money and they gave a receipt and, and you go to walk away and all of a sudden it hits you. Oh, sir, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Here it is. Ready? I just have to invite you to my church. I have to because I go to the greatest church in all of the world. Listen, you would love our church. You would love our pastor. He teaches right from the Bible. You would love our church congregation. It is a family. You will love our music. It's happy, heavenly. Listen, I wouldn't be a good Christian if I didn't invite you to my church. I have to invite you to my church. Listen, I, I, I'm not saying that that's important, but, but here's the question. When is the last time that we gave the good news? The death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, and we're going to move on here. When's the last time we had a burden for a soul? A burden, this is my definition. I'm not Webster by any stretch of the imagination, but this definition helps me. A burden is a concern you carry constantly. A concern you carry constantly. It may affect our eating habits. It may affect our sleeping habits. It consumes our thoughts my loved one, my coworker, my neighbor, my friend, they're lost and on their way to a devil's hell. And I can't shake that thought. That's a burden. A burden will cause you to do some crazy things. I had a professor in college who when he was in college, when he was in Bible college, he was listening to a sermon uh, during the opening revival meetings of school, and he got so burdened about his father. Now, he was in Florida. His father was in New Jersey. He got so burdened by his unsaved father that after the revival meeting, he went to his room. He asked his roommates to pray for him. He went out into his car, and he drove all night to New Jersey, got there early in the morning, and sat down with his father and led his father to the Lord. A burden will cause you to do some crazy things. And then number three, when's the last time we shared the gospel? When's the last time we had a burden for a lost soul? And then number three, when's, this is so convicting, so convicting. When's the last time you, when's the last time we discipled someone we led to Jesus? When's the last time, hey, discipleship is part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, the Bible says. And so when's the last time we sat down with an open Bible and we taught someone we led to Christ, Christianity 101, things we all ought to be doing anyway, our devotional time, our prayer time, our tithing, our serving, our giving, our, our being faithful to church. You know what I'm talking about. Things we all ought to be doing anyway. When's the last time we discipled someone we led to Christ? Uh, folks, it is both and. It's both and. We are all responsible for the Great Commission. None of us are exempt. Did Christ assign an impossible task? No, Jesus doesn't work that way. He doesn't give us something to do that is impossible to accomplish. That's not how the Lord works. Why is it then that almost half of the world has never heard of the Lord Jesus Christ one time? Did Christ assign an impossible task? Why is it of the 7,000 languages in the world, almost 4,000 do not have one verse of Scripture in their language? Did Christ assign an impossible task? Why is it then that a recent study showed, and I know it's not true at this church, but a recent study showed that 95% of American Christians, 95% have never led one person to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Did Christ assign an impossible task? No then what's the problem? What's the issue? What's the concern? 
it may be that we're just not taking it as seriously as we ought to take it. The Great Commission is our divine directive, our divine directive. I think it's time in America for uh, the salt to get out of the salt shaker, for the light to be turned on. What good is it to come to church, get your spiritual batteries charged up if you never go out into the dark and turn the light on? It's time in America for Christians to uh, uh, get out of the safety deposit box of the church and put themselves into circulation doing what God's called us to do, our divine directive. We see in Acts 1.8 our divine directive. And that brings us to number two tonight. Secondly, a daily distraction. Look with me at verse uh, number six again. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? What is this all about? What is this question all about? What are they talking about? Well, there's many different texts we could go to, um, but just very quickly, go back, if you will, to Luke 19. I think... Luke 19 is a verse or two that really um, sheds light on what this question is all about. You know this in the book of Matthew, um, John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, In the next chapter, Jesus began his earthly ministry with this sermon, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, and uh, I'm in the book of John, so uh, this is going to be the the same thing here. But Luke chapter 19, someone took the book of Luke out of my Bible. Oh, here it is. All right. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, Jesus says these words, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is after uh, the conversion of Zacchaeus. Jesus makes a statement. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Look at verse number 11. And as they heard these things, he added, in other words, he's adding to what he says in verse 10, these words, um, he added and spake a parable. Why did he give the parable? Here it is. Because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now go back to Acts uh, chapter 1 again. Uh, Let me uh, reiterate and repeat what what we've just looked at. Again, after the salvation of Zacchaeus, Jesus said the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Why? Because he knew what they're thinking. They're thinking that the kingdom of God is about to appear immediately. They're thinking eschatology. Jesus is thinking ecclesiastically. Uh, They're thinking uh, political. He's thinking spiritual. They're thinking conquering king. Jesus is talking suffering savior. You know this Rome ruled this part of the world at this time. And so uh, the Jewish folks uh, were sick and tired of Roman rule. Can you imagine uh, paying taxes to two different countries? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, But that's what they did. And so uh, they're thinking when the Messiah comes, what does he do? He sets up his earthly kingdom. They had already fought about who's going to be sitting at the right hand of, of, of Christ in the kingdom. They've already talked about that. They've already been vying for position. 
Well, now they're standing before the Lord Jesus Christ who has up from the grave, he's arose, right? And now they're thinking, okay, it's time. It's time for the millennial, millennial reign of, of Christ. It's time to set up our earthly kingdom. But something needs to happen first in uh, John uh, or Luke chapter 19, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now in Acts 1, that's already come to pass. Um, and so they're thinking, it's time. It's time. But it wasn't time, was it? Because they had a commission to obey. And here's the simple point. If the disciples could get distracted, I can get distracted. If the disciples could get distracted, we can get distracted. Uh, they asked a good question, but Jesus, uh, though he had risen, it still wasn't time because the world needs to know about what Jesus did for us. So we have a choice in the United States of America tonight. It's the kingdom of heaven or our best life now. It's the kingdom of God or the American dream. It's the kingdom of heaven or take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. We have a decision. Uh, we, 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 we can be distracted. There, there's no question about it. Um, but we have to make a decision. And the decision really is this. Thy kingdom come or my kingdom come. We have a decision to make. The problem is, and you know this, that we can be distracted. The physical distracts us from the spiritual. The temporal distracts us from the eternal. The worldly distracts us from the heavenly. What distracts you tonight? Because we all can be distracted. I know I am often distracted. It's easy to get distracted. How about this? I'll just ask a few questions and then we'll, we'll wrap this up tonight. Does our profession distract us from our one job? You say, well, Brother, bon uh, Brother Bill, uh, my job is I'm a teacher or I work with computers or I'm a construction worker. That's, that's my job. No, no, uh, that's your profession. We've already established we all have one job and that's telling people about Jesus. Right. Listen, don't get your job and your profession confused. Your job is you're an ambassador. Your job is you're a witness. What's a witness? One that tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God, right? And, and, and so don't get your job and your profession mixed up. Jesus, uh, many of the disciples were fishermen. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If they had been doctors, Jesus could have said, follow me and I'll make you healers of men. Uh, follow, if they had been teachers, he could have said, follow me and I'll make you educators of men. The point is, we can't get our job and our profession confused. You've heard the story, uh, no doubt, about William Carey, who was one time confronted about one of his very close friends. Uh, his very close friend cared about him, and he confronted him, and he scolded him, and he said, listen, if you gave more attention to your job, he was a shoe repairman, if you gave more attention to your job, then preaching and, and witnessing and all of this, you could do better financially for yourself and for your family. And William Carey looked him in the eye and said, my job, my job is to tell people about Jesus. I only, I only repair shoes to pay expenses. Hey, can you imagine if every American Christian had that mentality, that philosophy about their profession? I'm using my profession to be salt to be light, to be a witness, to be an ambassador. Does our profession distract us from our job? 
then we need to make a decision. Is it my kingdom come or thy kingdom come? How about this? Does our family distract us from the family of God? How about this? Number three, does our country distract us from the kingdom? I, I joke about this. Um, I don't know what age you reach. I, I don't know what the magic age is where all of a sudden you find yourself all day watching Fox News and getting angry. I don't know what magic age that is. I know this. My parents have reached that age. They have. That's what they do. They watch Fox News all day and they just get angry. Their blood pressure goes up and up. Listen, can I say something? Um, there's something more important. I am, I am very patriotic. My grandfather fought in two world wars. Uh, uh, he fought in the Korean conflict in World War II. And, and I'm very patriotic. We all ought to vote. We all ought to be, uh, uh, you know, flag-waving Americans. But there's something more important than our country, and that's the kingdom. Listen, the GOP isn't going to save our country. G-O-D is going to save our country. And instead of getting angry, what really we should do is just grab some gospel tracts and go hand them out. That's, what, that's, that's what's going to heal America. How about this? Does treasure on earth distract us from treasure in heaven? Does a relationship with a person distract us from our relationship with our King of kings and Lord of lords? Does entertainment distract us from keeping the main thing the main thing? Uh, whether that be sports or hobby or social media, uh, does the fleeting happiness of entertainment distract us from the joy of serving Jesus? Does the temporal distract us from the eternal? Does my kingdom come distract from thy kingdom come? We can all get distracted. I know I can. And if we're all to be honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that there are times that we get distracted. May God help us to keep the main thing the main thing. We have been given a divine directive. And, and we must do everything we can to not get distracted from why we're here. We need to be reminded, and I'm not trying to be sensational, but when you look at why we're here, there's only one, re one reason why God has given us one more year, one more month, one more week, one more day, one more breath, and that is to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. That's how we bring glory to God. It was uh, David Zeisberger who lived from 1721 to 1808, a Moravian missionary pastor who came to the United States. He came, it wasn't the United States at that time, but he came to America and he was a missionary to the Native Americans specifically uh, for many years in Ohio, the Ohio River Valley, the Native Americans of the Ohio River Valley. When the Revolutionary War broke out, the American troops cornered him because he spoke German and because the British were hiring Germans to work for them and to serve in their military army. The American troops cornered him thinking that he was a spy. And they asked him this question. I love this. He said, they said, as they cornered him, they said, why are you here? And this is what he said. I am here to build the kingdom. They immediately responded, whose? Ours or England's? He said, neither. I am here to build the kingdom of God. Christian tonight, why are we here? Listen, we need to be reminded, don't we? I know I do. 
may we not be distracted from our divine directive. Father, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege of studying your word tonight. Just a simple truth, really, from the book of Acts about being distracted from our purpose, from our goal, from what you've called us to do. Father, help us to make decisions tonight during this time of Bible study that will last for eternity. Uh, Father, may we even tonight, wherever the Lord, wherever you lead us, whether it's a gas station or a grocery store, may we remember that we're salt, that we're light, that we're ambassadors, that we're witnesses, and that we have been left here on this earth to build the kingdom of heaven. We love you and thank you for the privilege of studying your word tonight in Jesus' name. Pastor. Do something a little different. Remain seated with your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I'd like the piano to start playing. Here's what I'd like. The message was on point. I would like you to think of somebody that's lost that you know. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. I want you to think of somebody that's lost that you know right here. I'm not talking about on the other side of the state. I'm not talking about outside of uh, Ohio. I'm talking about somebody that's right here. I want you to pray for them right now. Pray that, pray that they would hear the gospel. Pray that they would respond to the gospel. May God burden our hearts for people that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. I believe we needed that reminder tonight. Pray this. Pray that God would help you to be a witness to that person. We've got to get the gospel out. I, I, I listened to a message just a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, and God burdened my heart with that very thought and with that very idea. He said this. He said, I've never seen a church die because they, they witnessed and they, sold, they won souls too much. He said, but I have seen churches die because they stopped doing it. They get distracted. Take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you for the message, for the messenger. God on point, right on track. God, really what we needed. God, I pray that you'd burden our hearts. God, I pray that you'd touch our hearts with our responsibility. And God, truly, we do get distracted. And God, we, it's not intentional, you know that. But God, we have to be intentional about reaching people. We have to be intentional about getting the gospel out. We have to be intentional about witnessing. And God, I pray that you'd help us. Help me.
to be a witness right here in Maslin, Ohio. God, I thank you again for each and every person that's been here tonight, those who are online listening. God, I pray that you would again burden our hearts and help us, Father, to see our responsibility to reach our Jerusalem with the gospel and help us to be intentional about doing that. God, thank you again for uh, Brother Fennell. Thank you for their family. God, I pray that you'd bless them and uh, in their mission and what they're doing, Father, and we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. All right, just a real quick announcement. Um, Wing 2 in Marietta has been canceled. Uh, they are not able to do it.